down and you're kind of like you're interlocked your legs with the person opposite you and you're kind of like do I look at him because that's weird do I look at out the window and actually you're seeing his reflection and that's weird and and essentially I didn't really know what I was doing and then this lady came on and she sat next to me and she was reading the the economist and I was thinking I definitely do not belong here it it made my reading my football magazine about Jaden Sancho, 442, made me feel decidedly immature, okay? But I just went with it anyway. And then you get on the tube, and I'm literally, I'm, I'm like this, I'm carrying around a post-it note to try and work out where my connections are, okay? I'm that guy, okay? Don't judge me, this is my life, okay? Sorry. So, and then you get on the tube, and you've got to deal with people's armpits and your face and all that sort of stuff. And then the last person who I... He was reading this, A Social History of France in the 19th Century. I was thinking, this is not for me, okay? I haven't been back since, and I doubt next time there's a training course, I will make sure it's somewhere more local, okay? So... It might be that actually that's your experience of church. It might be that actually you come to church and you're not really sure how to respond. You know that you say the wrong things or you do the wrong things. It might be that actually you feel that it's, you know, it's not really for me. We've been looking through this Everyone's Invited series. And maybe for you, every time that that's been said, you've thought to yourself, yeah, 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 I get it. Everyone's invited apart from people like me. Or maybe... You're, you're another person who thinks, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Everyone's invited apart from people like them. And actually, we're going to look at a passage today in Luke 7, which kind of encounters both of these types of people. I think it's going to be a real challenge for us this morning. I want you to have open ears for what God's going to be saying to each and every one of us this morning. I've asked Jordan to come and read us the passage this morning. Can we welcome Jordan to the stage? We on? Okay. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Thanks, Jordan. Should we give Jordan a thank you? Cheers, mate. 
Okay, so we've come to this situation, right? The scene is set. And we've got our first point here, encountering grace. We've got the sinful woman who enters the home where Jesus is eating. So it's a bit of a weird situation. So Jesus is reclining at the table, but also the woman comes at his feet. So he's, I mean, I'm going to demonstrate, unfortunately. So he kind of like is, you won't all be able to see this, but for the purpose of, you know, you guys at the back, I'm lying on the stage. Okay, so there's kind of like the table here. He's reclining, but actually she can come in and lay at his and lay at his feet and kneel at his feet. So that's the kind of situation that we've got ourselves. And so we've got the Pharisee, and we've got the sinful woman. And what we're going to look at is that both of them encounter grace. Okay, the Pharisee, well, the Pharisees were a very religious group. They were all about the rules and the regulations. They, they felt that actually to achieve salvation, they just needed to follow a load of laws. And actually, like anyone who didn't follow these rules, didn't follow these laws, they looked down on them. Okay? And and what happens is that Jesus, instead of just casting this guy aside because actually, like, he's got it all wrong, he actually continues to offer him an, an invitation, an invitation of grace. Throughout the passage, we see this invitation being given to him. The Pharisee actually just wanted everything on his terms. He's invited him in, but it's all very much on his terms. And then we've got the sinful woman. Now, by the word sin, we're just saying, well, people who do wrong against God. But actually, as we look at this woman, we find that actually she's someone who is, let's say, notorious within her community. She is someone that actually, when she enters the room, everybody knows that she is a sinner. Everybody knows that she does wrong. Everybody knows that actually she's someone that they don't want to hang out with. Okay? And she enters into the room. And she's got a list of bad things. Yeah, she's got this whole list that of very, very bad things that she knows that actually will normally just stop her from being in you know, the presence of a load of these people, let alone Jesus. And she just keeps on adding to this list. But she doesn't allow this list to get in the way of her coming towards Jesus. And this is an important, one of the important messages that I want to get through today. Actually, whatever is on your list, whatever you think that you've done, actually, I want to encourage you not to let it, not to let it stop you from coming to meet with Jesus. Not to let you, to stop you coming into his presence. Because actually what happens, and we'll see this, that Jesus utters these wonderful words throughout these things. Yeah, he says, your sins are forgiven. She's come with this list, and it's a long list, and it's one that everybody knows. But he deals with that list, chucks it away, and says, okay, I'm done with it. Yeah, it's dealt with, it's forgiven. And that's what we're talking about, yeah? Jesus has sorted out the debt. He's sorted out the debt of our sin, of our wrongdoings. And whatever's on your list, yeah, you need not fear that Jesus will just dismiss you got a couple of Bible passages up here for you, okay? So Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It is not about us and our works. It's not about the things that we can do. Yeah, while we were still sinners, not when we sorted ourselves out, not when we did all the right things on that day, but actually while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It means that actually it's not about our works, yeah, Ephesians 2.8. By grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. 
This is what the sinful woman understood. She understood it wasn't just about what she did. She understood it's actually because of who she's coming to. She's heard. She's been in the situation where she's obviously heard that there's a man who can deal with people in the pit of life, who can deal with people who are in the mess. And actually, she's coming to him knowing that it's not about her because, well, she's got her list. But actually, this, this God can come and bring salvation. And it means that in Romans 8.1, yeah, there is now no condemnation. In a sense, so we say that Jesus has dealt with that list. She's not going to keep on going back to it, is she? Yeah, and we shouldn't do the same. There's no condemnation, so you don't need to keep on going back and say, oh, but I did that thing last week, actually, didn't I? I did that thing last month. Do you remember that time when I did that? Actually, it's, it's not about that. There's no condemnation. There's no charge brought against you because it's all been laid on Jesus. And that means, Hebrews 4.16, we can now approach God's throne with confidence. None of this is on our own merit. And we're going to have a look at how the Pharisee responds and how the sinful woman responds. So on the surface, it might look that they were equally, should we say, zealous. So the, the Pharisee has invited Jesus in. He seems keen to meet with Jesus. The woman's come in. She seems keen to meet with Jesus. But actually, if you look a little bit deeper, and as we, as we look through the passage, you can see that actually the Pharisee's attitude was not quite right. He committed a number of social errors. He didn't give any water for Jesus to wash his dirty feet. He didn't put any oil on his head. He didn't offer him a kiss of greeting. It was all on his terms. And if you contrast this with the woman, she was just completely abandoned to him. She came in her brokenness and she just poured it all out. Everything she had, she poured out to him. Now, I just want you to imagine, you know, that there's this woman and, you know, she's lived a sinful life. The community, everybody knows who she is. And I think that she is probably someone who is very hardened to her emotions. And maybe that's how some of us, maybe that's how some of us feel. Yeah, we feel actually, you know, people have done wrong things to me. I've done wrong things and it hardens our emotions. But somehow, in this moment, it overflows out of her. It overflows out of her such that her emotions just bubble up and she begins weeping. And as she weeps, her tears are just coming before Jesus' feet. And he's not turning her away. So, so she kneels down and she's, and she's wiping his, his feet with her tears. There's just this sense of an intimacy in, our, in her worship She's broken, but yet actually she is tasting some freedom. She's tasting freedom. Maybe for the first time there's this man who has said that she's heard can set her free. And actually in this moment he's not discarding her. And she knows that actually she is beginning to taste that freedom. And as I was thinking about different ways that people respond to grace and freedom, I'm reminded of a scene in the, in the Shawshank Redemption. It's a great film. And if we could get that video. I've just got a, a little clip. That I want to show you. If we get that ready. I'll just explain what's happening. So we've got Andy Dufresne. He's one of the prisoners. And he finds himself. Well he actually gets himself locked inside 
the warden's office. And there's this moment where actually he plays some music across the tannoy, and every single prisoner to a man stops and stares and gazes in awe. Okay, I want you, I want you to get a glimpse of, of what the freedom that they're beginning to taste and how they respond to it. Let's play the clip. For a moment, every last man in Shawshank felt free. And if we come back to this sinful woman, there's this moment where actually, in herself, she's imprisoned, isn't she? She's imprisoned within her own life. She's imprisoned within her own community. And actually, there's a moment here where she, she tastes true freedom. And she begins to weep. She kneels down and she weeps. And maybe, maybe when you encounter Jesus, you kneel and you weep. Maybe, like those prisoners, you, you just stop and you stand in awe. Maybe you dance around, maybe you wave scarves around. You know, but there, there's often just a, there is a, often a physical response to this grace that Jesus shows us. But actually, I start to think, okay, well, what does it mean for a Monday morning? Because so often we can, we can have these moments, and in our worship we have these moments, and probably you might end up having these moments when I've gone this morning, and there'll be a moment where actually we're worshipping Jesus, and we're saying, God, your grace is amazing. And then, all, and then the kids come out again, and you're back to being a father, you're back to being a mother. There's nappies to change, there's things to sort out, yeah, there's mouths to feed. And what does it, what does it mean for us in those moments what would it have meant for this sinful woman? What would, it, what would she have gone and done? And I think there's a couple of things that are just so, sort of what I would call mini application points that we can have a look at in terms of what, what grace means for us every day. Grace helps us to deal with our ongoing sin. Grace doesn't mean that actually we just carry on and just think, well, actually it's forgiven anyway. It means that actually we've got strength knowing that the ultimate price is paid. The ultimate battle is won. But actually our day-to-day battle, we're still facing. Our day-to-day battle with, with our friends and with, you know, with other, our own habits and traditions, those battles still go on. And I know for many of you, you, know, you will find battles day by day. You know, we live in a world um, which actually isn't living for God. And so there's bound to be battles. And so grace allows us to, to deal with our ongoing sin. It also helps us to take risks for Jesus. Because actually it's not about our works. We can take a risk. You can pray for your friend. Yeah, you can, you can pray for the sick. You can take risks. You can stand up on stage. Because actually you know that it's, that it's not about your works. And that the, the ultimate price is paid. And that you can just carry on knowing that, that Jesus has done it all already. And so, yeah, I'll try my best. I'll try my best to live for God every day. But if I mess up and if I don't get things quite right, actually, his grace means that I can take risks for him and just carry on. We don't need to impress God with our abilities. There is someone who will, who's already impressed him on our behalf, and that is Jesus Christ. The sinful woman understood this. She didn't deserve to be with Jesus But there she was, worshipping him and receiving his forgiveness. And then we come to the third point. So we've we've encountered grace, 
We've talked about responding to grace. Now the third point is responding to people, responding to grace. And I imagine if the Pharisee was, shall we say, a meme, then it would be one of these two people, okay? Because they're, they're, they're just like, what? So I imagine that the Pharisee is just like, uh, Jesus, do you realize that there's a woman of very questionable reputation, not only in our midst, but she is at your feet and she is, uh, she is just weeping all over you and she is wiping your feet with her tears. Do you not understand this? And actually then Jesus comes with this story and he says, he tells of the man who had two debts which were, had to be paid. One was a lot of money, one was not a lot of money, but actually he cancelled them both. And those people who have had to pay the debts, the one who owed more money is more grateful. Matthew Henry, he's from the 17th century, that's what he looks like. Okay? He said this, learn here that sin is a debt. And all are sinners. They are debtors to Almighty God. Some sinners are greater debtors, but whether our debt is more or less, it's more than we are able to pay. God is ready to forgive and his son having purchased pardon for those who believe in him. Simon, okay, actually, by this point, we actually know his name. Yeah, there's a real, like, there's a personal point to this. Before this, he's called the Pharisee. Now it's like Simon. Okay, so Simon is spoken to, and he's basically ignored the fact that this woman has been attributed the same grace that he has been. In a sense, he kind of said that, well, actually, he's done nothing to deserve Jesus, she's done nothing to deserve Jesus. But in his eyes, she's deserved more of nothing, which doesn't make sense. It's completely logical. Okay, nothing's nothing, sin's sin. And there's a sense that actually they're both broke, they've both got debts to pay, and that debt is paid in Jesus. But he just doesn't understand that. And there's a challenge there. Okay? Simon obviously looked at this sinful woman and within a matter of moments had made up his mind. What would happen if this morning actually someone walked through our doors who was known within our community to be a prostitute, who was known to be a drug dealer, who was known to be a businessman sort of involved in very shady dealings, who was known to be one of the lads, someone who slept with more people than he can remember. And they come in and they start responding to grace. How do we respond? Okay, we might not actually, they might come in weeping. They might come in dancing. They might come in just standing in awe. We don't necessarily know. But there's a challenge there, isn't there? How in a church would we respond to them? Well, I know how Jesus would respond to them. He'd say, in me, your sins are forgiven. We as Jesus followers have no right to try and second guess and disallow people from coming to know him. Sometimes in our actions, we do that very thing. So I've put together a little toolbox. You know, it's not extensive. And I've got five tools for us. Okay? So let's be really quick. So number one, rejoice with them. Be happy with them. Judah Smith. This is what Judah Smith looks like. He's, a bit up, he's an updated version of Matthew Henry, I think. Okay. 
when bad <laughs> he's not he's very different when bad people turn their lives around all of us who are in inverted commas good should echo the celebration that is happening in heaven that's why i think we should smile in church we should dance we should celebrate we should laugh and we should get over our serious selves and represent the joy of heaven amen is that right yeah it's true isn't it okay Number two, don't put loads of rules on them. Rules point us towards ourselves. We're saying that this grace is undeserved, but then all of a sudden we come to these things and saying, oh, well, actually, make sure you read your Bible this many times. Make sure you pray this many times. And how dare you still be smoking? Yeah? And we so often do those things. But actually, those rules begin to point us to ourselves. Which then leads on to point three. Expect change, but don't enforce it. Okay, which, yeah, leads on from number two. If God's brought them to this point by his grace, then actually he will sort out all of those things that you think need sorting out. And maybe, newsflash, those things that you think need sorting out, they're kind of a bit lower down on God's agenda. He's got other things that he needs to sort out within their lives. Okay? Number four, don't bombard them with Christian jargon. Okay? Just Christian language, which probably no one understands. So, to my shame... When I was at university, there was a girl who came in, and she, uh, she became a Christian. She crossed the line of faith. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know why I'm telling you this, one of the first things that I remember saying to her was like, I was trying to encourage her how to share her story. And I was like, oh, do you know how you'd share your testimony? And, uh, and you know, she quite rightly said, what's a testimony? And... And I think, actually, we, there's some things that we, as Jesus followers, use, some words we use, which no one understands, okay? Right, so let's just stop doing that so much. And number five, worship Jesus and remember what he did for you. This is a big thing, okay? So the same grace that Jesus provided for you is the same grace that's been provided for me, is the same grace that's been provided for every single one of us. The reason that any of us can come to worship God let alone have the privilege of trying to help others come to know him, is because, Romans 5.8, whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, taking this approach is going to help our church become as God wants it to be. We are going to see more and more people coming into this church who aren't like you and who aren't like me. Yeah? Please, Lord, come and do it. Okay? We're going to find that actually these people... Don't act like us. And we need to make sure that we allow them to bring a flavor to our community that is going to be so much richer. Well, what does that mean for me? Well, it means that the next person to come in is either going to be poorer than me or richer than me. They're going to be lighter skin than me or darker skin than me. They're going to be older than me or younger than me. They're going to not dress like me. Hopefully not. They are not going to talk like me. Hopefully not. And they are going to be completely different. But my question to you is, are you willing to lay down the church that you want for the church that God wants? Okay? Because that's where we're at as a church. We've, over the last month or so, we've kind of gone from the central site being 430 to then having both sites, north and central, being 490. So that means there's 60 people who have come in and are beginning to call Hope Church home. And we need to remember how to, how to welcome them in, how to actually use them and bring, bring the church into the flavor that God wants it to be. 
And that's our challenge. And so if, if you're someone who's been going to this church for years, yeah, then there's a challenge for you. There's a challenge for you in how you're going to respond to these people who are responding to the same grace that you were afforded one day. And also, if, if you're one of the people, should we just say, who's come in within the last year, my plea to you is, can you help us? Can you help us to do this bit better? Can you help us to serve you and your, and your community and your friends better? Can we, can we have some discussion about how we can serve the people of Winchester better? Because actually, we're all on a journey together. We're all trying to work this out together. And we're on this adventure. We're taking risks for Jesus. But actually, we need some help. And we need everyone to come on board. I'm going to finish there. And I'm going to ask the, uh, the band to come up. I want to end in a slightly different way this morning. I've written something out which I want to speak over us. Okay, and I want it to lead into worship. I'll let you now put all those mics back. Thank you. I'll just stand here. That's why I got them to move. Okay, if we could all stand up, that'd be great. And we don't need the PowerPoint anymore, so that's all right. Okay, I want us to gaze in wonder at our King. I want us to gaze in wonder at Jesus who has made a way. Jesus who paid the ultimate price. If that means that you stop and stand in awe, then do it. If that means that you raise your hands, then do it. Sometimes it's helpful to just close our eyes and to to just focus on him. Focus on him who, who actually doesn't turn us away who doesn't dismiss us even though we've got a list of our sins. Focus on on him who will continue to, to welcome you in. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, majestic, almighty, creator of the universe. He who flung stars into space, who knows the end from the beginning, who knows my heart and yours, He who made every animal, every bird. He who looked upon it all at the beginning and said, it is good. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, completely sinless, completely holy, completely other than us. Will you respond to him? He who takes on the sinners, who notices those whose society casts aside, the blind, the beggars, the prostitutes, the travelers, black and white, rich and poor, young and old, The homeless, the celebrities, the unemployed, the businessmen, he knows them all. Each one he knows by name. Will you respond to him? He who came to earth and lived among people like you and me, who hung out with his friends, who went to parties, who laughed and cried, who faced temptation but never gave into it, who was obedient to his father, who went through it all and more for you and me. Will you respond to him? To him, Jesus Christ, who stood before the courts, knowing that he had done no wrong. To him, who carried his own weighty cross up to that place of the skull, Calvary. He who knew that there was no other way. He who knew as he sweated drops of blood and then was hung on the cross and cried out to his father, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew, he knew. He knew you'd try your best to reach the Father. He knew you'd fail. He knew you'd turn your back on him, reject him, forget about him. Praise him in the morning and then reject him in the evening. 
He knew that your best efforts would not be good enough. He knew. Will you respond to him? There was no other way. There is no other way. He is the way, the truth, the life. It is in him and him alone. He alone has brought you freedom. He alone has brought you salvation from your sin. From everything that separated you from God, it has been defeated. Will you respond to him? He has made a bridge over the gap that you could know the Father, that you could know the unceasing, never-ending, completely perfect love of the Father, that you could know him today and every day. He is the Almighty God. There will be no end to his glory and power forever and ever. Amen.